When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, Chaz, uh, this is the grit for October 6th, 2022. We are time traveling. We're back in time, looking into the future. A classic episode this one is. Setting up a classic episode. We've never done this before, have we? We have never gone, gotten into the time machine and gone back. We are working folk. We never take time off. We work through the holidays. We work through vacations. But here we are this week, taking a week off because I have huge news. I am getting married. Congratulations, David Lee Scales. Making an honest woman. How many people have said making an honest woman out of her? Uh, plenty, actually. Oh. Um, so, yeah, pretty huge news. Huge personal news. Are you going to share with people where you're getting married, David Lee Scales? No, I don't think so. But I have a feeling Lauren's going to, like, geotag something on Instagram that'll spill the beans. But I'll certainly... El Salvador. <laughs> El Salvador. Here we come. So you and I often do this show remotely. But today I am extra remote because we are at a destination for our wedding. Not one bride wants to wake up next to husband surf podcasting. That's a great point. So I think our listeners can sympathize with that. Um, On a normal vacation, we would absolutely still record. But here we are on a very special vacation. And so that is why we are going, we are time traveling in order to do this intro and series of advertising. Now, here's my question for you, though. We're going to be pulling a show from the archives today to share with listeners. How do you feel about that? Are you afraid I mean, of how awful we were back in the day? Probably. I was just wondering what you were going to what you were going to pull. I mean, you should almost pull our very first show with Devin Howard from when COVID had just popped onto the horizon. That'd be a good one. That's a great. So I think that's actually um, wise. If we pull episodes that are um that we have a guest on yeah then it's it's kind of put some of the onus on them you know Devin howard's fault man (laughs) if we think about it our guests have been Devin howard chuck patterson i think we had steve pesman sat in for a minute or two once or twice has derek sat in with us i think derek sat in early days one of those might be good for sure Derek did early early days okay i don't feel as scared then about giving the giving the listeners the archive episode Blame Devin Howard. Well, 
Uh, what we do need to give listeners fresh this week is a little bit of uh, awareness for Bubacoos.com because they're actually doing a partnership with the American Cancer Society for the month of October. They're raising money to help support the research efforts in the fight against breast cancer. So every store this month in October, they'll be selling a Cancer Sucks Cups at the register in-store only, and they'll be taking store uh, donations on the app or in-store as well. I think the goal is to reach $25,000. So it's super, uh, super attainable goal for Bubba Coos, but go in, in store, buy a cancer sucks cup or make a contribution via the app or website. Bubba Coos burritos could not taste better. And imagine doing good and eating good all at one time. I know it really is a noble cause. I mean, breast cancer awareness, breast cancer is uh, treatable, preventable with early detection, all that sort of stuff. So um, important to have awareness surrounding it. I have been anti-awareness campaigns in the past because I feel like people are performative. They're dumping ice buckets on their head for no, you know, they don't even know what the cause is, but I feel like breast cancer uh, affects a lot of people. I mean, it affects almost everyone. Everybody probably has a family member who has been affected by it. So well, the thing is, too, being aware nine times out of 10 is dumb, right? Like there's a right. uh, campaign to bring about Brittany Griner, the detained you know, basketball star in Russia, that's right. an awareness campaign. Well, what does awareness of her detention do? There's, does absolutely nothing. Being aware that breast cancer is treatable, that does something. That'll make people go think, oh, I should go to get checked out or whatnot. Completely. So it's twofold. Awareness so that you can prevent, treat detect that sort of thing. And then secondly, fund research. And so Bubba Coos is spearheading uh, that effort this month. Buy a cancer cup, cancer sucks cup in store at Bubba Coos or go to bubbacoos.com slash surf to download the app, make a contribution there. Thank you, Bubba Coos. We've also got athleticgreens.com slash surf, which I did bring with me on this trip to my unrevealed location because I need to be on my A game to get married this week. I mean, imagine being getting married and being sickly and weird because you did not take your athleticgreens.com slash surf. I mean, my goodness, I can't imagine anything worse than that right there. Well, the other thing is um, part of uh, having a good diet nutrition is keeping yourself regular. And sometimes with events that create nervousness, that also stimulates the bowels. And so you want athleticgreens.com slash surf to be protecting you on all fronts. It does. And backs. Athleticgreens.com slash surf may just be your best man. <laughs> it may very well be. Very, very well played. Thank you for that, Chaz Smith. Athleticgreens.com slash surf. Okay, we got the ads out of the way early in the episode. Let's go back in the time machine to pull from the archives. Devin, you suck. We're live, boys. Oh, this is exciting. Chaz, why don't you introduce our guest today? I special am, guest. I couldn't be more happy to have or to be sitting across the zinc countertop from the one, the only, Jamie Brissick. That's, I don't know what to say. Thank you. But Welcome, welcome back to the show, Jamie. Yeah, I mean, how epic, though, that Jamie is dropping in for the listeners. Jamie is dropping in on us on his way to, uh, is it surf philosophy? Is that what you said it is? Philosopher. 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 Phyllis Surfer, the uh, philosophical 
I always get my, is it philosophic or philosophical conference, surf conference? Yeah, that's, I think, philosopher surf conference. A philosopher surf conference. it works good when you look at it on paper, philosopher. Saying it on a podcast doesn't quite translate. But but Jamie's the keynote speaker, and David Lee and I are headed down to listen to Jamie's keynote address as soon as this podcast is over. We're excited. What are you going to talk about? Well, I'm going to talk about the... It's going to be an autobiographical talk, okay. and it's going to hopefully work. That's the biggest thing. But it's going to um, start at about age 12 and end at um, age, well, like a year ago. Wow. Yeah. So it's a covering lot. a lot Soup of ground. To nuts, I guess they call it. Soup to nuts. Um, why do they call it that? Soup to nuts. That's a really great question. I'll it look almost, it up afterwards. It almost has a. Um, it almost has a sexual connotation, you know. It's huh? The, Where's the soup on the human body? <laughs> but I just I just think of the, the kind of egginess of it all. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, Jamie, you'll be glad to know. Maybe you already do know. Um, your episode that we recorded together is the most popular episode I've ever done. No kidding. No kidding. Makes I, sense. I'm, I'm I'm shocked and flattered. Have you received any feedback from it? I have. I have, and you know the talk I'm going to give today and again i hope it works but um no i guess um it in some ways if there's if there's anything i've learned it's sort of don't try so hard because i think mm. i've spent way too much of my life trying extremely hard and then and and i say that as a as a competitive surfer when i look back at old clips of myself there's just kind of like overly charged and sometimes that could work and especially at that period of time but then with writing as well i mean i think um for whatever reason, I was the youngest of three boys, and it was this thing of like I got a, you know, and and then we had two cousins who were so I was the the youngest of five, and we were skateboarding and surfing, and it was always this thing of um, I've got to do something shocking to kind of get their attention, and then you know that I brought that into relationships. I mean that's been like the story of my life, and it's um, and when I was younger, when I first started writing, I, I the writers I looked up to and aspired to be like always had interesting life stories, and I think it was sort of being over anxious to sort of get there and what what would happen and maybe this is one of the reasons why people have liked the podcast we did is that I talk about some real stuff and it's sort of things that I wish never you know I would wish upon no one but they happen to me and I think somehow being real and honest about them made me step into another part you know deeper part of myself as a person and as a writer and so but there were not things that this was never like a conscious thing it was more like just sort of allowing life to to move move ahead uh, I think the vulnerability thing is the reason why people like it. Um, that's what I've seen over the years is the episodes that resonate most with people are the ones where like Maurice Cole, uh -huh. you know, opens up about his wife of 50 years leaving him and her being diagnosed with PTSD due to his chaos wow. and him um, just confronting that and being culpable for it, you know, and he's this kind of very masculine dude who's then breaking down and admitting his flaws. And there's something very relatable that makes it just okay to be sad at times and flawed and to be vulnerable and all that sort of stuff. Um, that's what resonates with the audience. Nobody really cares about surfing. Huh. The audience doesn't. They care about surfers talking about life, you right. know, or human interest, whatever. Yeah, it's such an interesting thing. You know, I saw, I was here, I was here in Encinitas staying at a, with a friend about five years ago and and Morris Cole came through town and he had health issues so big that he had to fly to the US from Australia to deal with them. 
and we went and had breakfast one morning. And I've known Morris for a long time, and the Morris I've always known, I mean, he's always been extremely entertaining, but I've known him sort of holding court in bars in France and in Australia, and larger-than-life character, and, and a group of people around him, and it's always like Morris is doing the talking. And somehow I think um, the health issues and the kind of mortality brush that he had, uh, I saw, I, I, we went to breakfast and there was this Morris that um, was entirely new to me, which was so vulnerable, so open. Mm. And I think, you know, th this is the Surf Splendor podcast where the, 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 the common thread among everyone that is on the show are their, their surfers. And I think maybe on some level, just because it is so physical and it is, and there's this sort of, um, the codes and mores of the surf world is to be, there's a, there is, there's machismo. Yeah, you know, there's, totally. there's a kind of like, it's, if, if this same, if, if this podcast moved in the world of like art students, you'd probably not have the kind of like macho dudes. Right. Good point. So uh, maybe it's something where it sort of breaks from, you know, you're, ex you're expecting kind of like bombastic kind of chest puffing. And then when someone is not doing that, it's like, it's somehow more real or engaging. I don't know. It's wild. I, every morning I wake up as the listeners know. <clears throat> and, uh, I mean, the first thing I do in the morning is <laughs> Google news search surf and then Google news search surfing. I don't even know how to set a Google alert. <laughs> uh, and so I just do like hungover nine times out of 10 bleary eyed, scrolling through trying to find something today. I saw there was an article in GQ uh, about gay surfers, right? Like it's uh, surfers surfing, coming to terms with what I, I can't even remember what it was, but it's a, this big GQ feature on homosexuality and surfing. <clears throat> and so I was reading, I thought when I saw the title, I thought, Oh, perfect. Here's my beach grit pinata for the morning. Uh, and as I read through it, it was kind of the same tropes and the same stuff we all know, but it was told, uh, so, I mean, to your point about surfing and machismo, where I just felt sad and thinking, wow, surfing is like a backwater of, but, and maybe it's some, it's good at some point, like where the whole culture has opened up and become so open to everything, right? I mean, from yeah. genderless, everything and blah, 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 blah. Surfing is still this thing where men are men, which is so strange in this day and age, but it's true. The fact that, can you even imagine, I can't even honestly imagine a WSL surfer coming, uh, yeah, WSL coming, out. coming yeah. out. Can you, I mean, can you imagine a top 40 surfer being open and gay? No, I'm, I've been waiting for it for quite a while. But it's, um, I, I, I can't see it happening in my lifetime, to be I honest. I don't, you know, to be honest, I don't think that they would be vilified or ridiculed, or I don't think there'd be a lot of backlash. So I'm not sure why nobody really has. But that's, I mean, so the, and that's what this, so this GQ article did an interesting job to throw me off of my, here's a pinata into, oh, this, this is actually thoughtful and to throw it on beach grit and, you know, make it an exclamation point headline just for yeah. for laughs is not cool because it, there's something in surfing and surf culture where I think to the point of the article where gay people don't feel comfortable and so they just never engage with right. it and right. then you're never going to be able to get good if you can't engage right and yeah. like there's so many barriers to entry which again to your point which is what makes surfing great too right is mm -hmm. it's funny I go through such phases with surfing where I think okay, get me out of here as a world. It's tiny and cloistered and dumb. But then I think every world is tiny and cloistered and dumb and the layer surfing has deep layers, right? I yeah. mean, you could spend a lifetime, uh, 
honestly looking at surfing and not just be and have it not be silly, which is again, you know, I think you do a great job, Jamie, of I mean, really working surfing in to this way broader life perspective. And Warshaw does a great job of it, of course. You know, we're I don't know, surfing is this rich, huge, rich world, but the fact that it is totally closed off to any kind of I don't know. There there's been times through history where I think surfing's been on the cutting edge of things, like um health food or yoga or environmentalism and things like that. Surfers are forward thinkers. And then there's times where we're so backwards, you know, certainly with um, sexuality, even with race, you know, it's like generally 95% white dudes doing it. For sure. You know, which is in this day and age to have this thing be, <clears throat> I mean, yeah, exactly. 95% white, 95 or, you know, 98% straight. Like, I mean, that's just is what it is, which is, it, it's like 1945 America. And then beyond that, if you're a high-performance shortboarder, you're adamantly a high-performance shortboarder and you will attack a longboarder in the lineup. You know, it's like real old-school kind of hunter-gatherer mentality of defending yourself and your tiny little subculture group. Um, Which is, to me, why Finding Westerly was so fascinating i thought when i when i read your oh man i remember reading it uh it must have been your pitch or something i was in australia at the time and just thinking oh this is it jamie brissick just cracked it this is going to be the biggest surf book ever i thought and this is going to be a feature film and all of it like this is it was it finding westerly or becoming westerly becoming westerly sorry no no problem no but it's interesting that um going back to the the article on gay surfers in gq you know i remember this was um around the mid 80s, one of my favorite surfers of all time, both in the water and out is Shane Haran. Sure. And he was living, I think up around Byron Bay, and he was kind of living this sort of commune life with with men and dogs. And I believe it was Matt Warsh, uh, uh, Matt George wrote a profile. And it was, it was, it was a fascinating piece. I think it was called The Rainbow Bridge, but it sort of depicted Shane in this world with these guys and the homophobic surf community thought like, well, Shane's gay. And Matt didn't say it in the piece, but it's kind of implied or whatever, and they just interpreted that. And if I remember the story correctly, because I wasn't there, but that year, um, so there was the rumor that Matt, that Shane Haran was gay or bisexual. And so that year at the Surfer Pole Awards, um, Shane was one of the top 10 and he got up to uh, get his award and he walked out and there was a microphone and he looked out to the crowd and he said, um, you know, there have been a lot of rumors about me lately and some of them are true and some of them are not and just off the stage and didn't, it was, it, which, which I respected so much because it wasn't like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cl- clear the record for myself. It was sort of like, it was sort of like you guys have the problem. Like, right. do whatever you think, whatever the hell you want of me, but you're you're wrong, and I'm not even I'm not even going to dignify your your suspicions with giving you any kind of answer about my sexual preference, which I thought was brilliant. But when I came across the Westerly story, it was you know it, I had almost a similar thing where it was sort of um, I love surfing so much, and I you know and I do, and I I'm sure I always will. But it, but there's there. Are, so there are attitudes in the surf world that I don't like. And here's this person who kind of subverts or kicks against all of that. And I'm so happy to champion them and get behind them because it's unfortunate. And it's almost like, 
as a as a writer for the surf world, sort of like I'm going to just throw this in your faces and make you think about it, almost mirror back to you, right. like make you have to think about how you feel about this. Um, but it's interesting that I mean the other thing you know there is so much great about surfing. The the, the thing that I always notice is. Um, Surfing is so fluid. It's so about being in the flow, and it's sort of that. If that were, uh, you know, a metaphor, it often older surfers are not that at all. They kind of mm. ossify and get angry and and get bitter, and it's like a life on the waves. And I mean, I think there are reasons for it, but it, it seems like kind of counterintuitive. Or con- you'd think that that flow would kind of penetrate one's mindset. Well, and I mean, even being progressive in general, and all, you know, all this kind of stuff, you would imagine would be. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the show and I write about it a lot, but just the, the conservatism in surfing, like the rigid conservatism is as extreme as anywhere that I've ever seen. Yeah, it is like, and, and it's crazy that the, you know, it's in surfing It's something that you wouldn't think and it perpetually surprises, but also there's something, there's something fun about surfing being such a rigid structure too. Yeah, uh, because there's very few, I think, rigid structures anymore. Kind of in our, at least in our modern lives, right? Like everything is fluid now. I mean, from gender to school to medicine to like everything is always, sh- you know, shifting. Uh-huh. And surfing doesn't shift. I mean, a dang, yeah. Yeah. more or less, a six-two squash tail. Well, it's not six-two anymore, but that's like the biggest change that's happened in the last year. Is people have hacked two inches off the height of the board, right? <laughs> where like the 5'11 is probably now the standard where forever it was a 6'2", right? Yeah. 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 And now it's right. 5'11". So two inches gone and that's it. That's yeah. how much surfing the, has changed. The wide point moves slightly forward. Exactly. Thanks to John John. Exactly. Yeah. Wide point, slightly forward, yeah. little less, but we're still, you know, like nobody's even riding quads. Right. I mean, it's still a thruster, squashy tail, right? Yeah. I mean, squash tail is still the by far the most common surfboard. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's the change. Yeah, the, it's the, true. It's, yeah, micro changes when culture around the culture around us feels like it's, you know, mo- moving so quick or expanding or changing so rapidly that that it's hard to even keep a handle on what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Surfing doesn't change. Yeah. No, there was a really wonderful um, talk this morning at the Philosopher Conference about tribalism and localism. And while listening to it, I was thinking to myself, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because I, I probably fall into this, but if you really, if you put it into, if you look at it as a sort of microcosm, we like surfers are extremely territorial, xenophobic, nativistic, you know, it's sort of this thing of like, keep it all away. We don't want it in here. And, uh, you know, on one hand, it's not, that may not be so much of a, like a political stance on things. It may just be the, for the love of a wave. Like I just, I love surfing so much. I don't want anyone to mess and crowd my waves. But, but if you like put it on that, in that context, it really is. It's not a um, open embracing thing. Um, it's interesting. What's the, or first of all, do you follow Shane Haran's uh, Instagram? Yes. It's so good. Yeah. What is, what is Shane doing these days? I have no idea. He, he's surfing. He has, yeah. He's surfing. He has a surf school, and he's and he's still designing fins. In fact, it was so um, heartening. Last year, I went to the Azores for the World Masters. Oh, event. that's right. Yeah. And I saw I was you. Really, um, when I went, I thought these are all my heroes, and now I'm checking in with them in their 50s and 60s, late 50s and 60s. And I thought, you know, I'm going to go fly to the Azores, and I might come back just so disillusioned and bummed, and just with this terrible feeling of like we're all just getting old, and it's like the good days were 30 years ago. It was so 
everyone was in such great form. And one of the best things that happened was Shane was there just hustling these fins and, and they worked great. I, he let me put them on my board and I went out and rode them and I loved them. But it was like the Shane that I, that the Shane that we last saw as you know, number two in the world in the eighties um, was always experimenting kind of like stubbornly riding single fins and keel fins and not, not uh, doing what, you know, three fins and what everyone else was doing. He's still doing that. And it was, and it, and it was, and he was lighthearted and it was great. So his, he runs his Instagram account. I need, I want somebody to come in and really just provide some structure to it because it is so entertaining and I would like to see it regularly at that event. Specifically, he was walking up to people on Instagram stories. He'd just pull up his phone in selfie mode and Tom Kern is just minding his own business. Shane would just walk up without any preparation or prompting Tom, throw his arm around Tom. Tom would just like look back completely shocked. And then Shane would be like, Tom Kern, how's it going? And then ask him a question. And Tom is just befuddled as he always is, you know, but Shane doesn't slow down at all. And Shane's not even looking at Tom. He's staring dead into the camera the entire time, like throwing 30 questions. Okay. So real quick though, back to the WSL. I mean, I guess we never touched the WSL, but over to the WSL, how is Shane Haran not in the damn booth? He would be gold. I mean, pure gold. There is gold to me. Surfing's, whatever shore is just littered with the yeah. flotsam and jetsam of you know 20 years of or 40 years of epicness why don't why aren't these guys being dr- drug in i mean yeah. I, I don't understand that so fundamentally it baffles me to know it because he would totally do it right For you would sure do it he yeah. would. Well, you'd well, go into the he, booth right so sure, sure yeah he commentated um kelly slater's i don't know if you remember in the oe rio pro that just happened kelly had like a free fall drop from the sky against yes. felipe tucked up into the barrel and came out shane recorded that on his phone and then commentated it and he thought it should have been a 10 point ride I kelly got it. like a five five something yeah and just First of all, I thought Kelly's score was accurate. I thought it was a five something. I thought Kelly added a lot of dramatics to the wave to make it look good. But hearing Shane advocate for the 10, I believe Shane. I was like, Shane convinced me. I do think that's a 10 point ride, you know? So not only did I love Shane, but I also love that surfing is that subjective Uh to where he viewed it one way. I viewed it completely differently and we're both right. But but then you could also change your mind though. I mean, if you're, yeah, Yeah. like he can make a, I think you can make a, if you love surf and talk to people who love surf, people can all the time, (laughs) I think, make really valid arguments, which is, yeah, again, maybe in our shifting, weird, bizarre world, like having this thing that we can all putter over. Yeah. But but there's some kind of, at the end of the day, and we, you know, we talk about the scores and stuff just being purely subjective, surfing is purely subjective, but somehow it's not because we can watch, I think we all agree, uh, like if we're really going to be serious about something, we can all sit and watch the same clip and we can debate. Like, I mean, I think that one of the, best examples ever is what Kelly's like fall off the board in the tube and then pop back up and come out of the tube yeah. score. What was it? What did he get for that? Like a four It was low. Yeah. yeah. Something tiny, right? Where it should have been a 12. Sure. It should yeah. have been a 12. And I think every surfer agrees on that, right? Yeah. The thing is they need to define a criteria that is objectively defined. Yeah. And right now it isn't. There's so but, much gray area in the criteria. But is that part of the fun of surfing though, that there there is so much gray course, that we can all yeah. go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. But I feel when we go back and forth enough, we totally agree. Where, Cause I also agree that per the criteria, uh, you know, that was a four or whatever, like Kelly yeah. fell off and how, you know, and the criteria should have just adjusted immediately yeah, to, yeah. okay, now fall off back up in the tube. If you get off your board and back on your board in the tube, 
then that's a, an automatic 10. But if I Gabriel mean, Medina does it on an air, three. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, there are differences, and we all know what I'm talking about when I say that. Completely. And it seems stupid, except we know what I'm talking about. Uh, which is funny. So, um, I think I every time that the ball, so we will sit here on the podcast and advocate all day long for, they need to make a more objective criteria or whatever. And as soon as they make moves towards that, we argue now we're losing the soul of surfing. You know, as soon as they build a wave pool where it's like, oh, now it's predictable and we can schedule an event, we can schedule the right amount of waves and everybody has an equal playing field. Then you and I also start arguing the opposite, which is we've lost our soul. Because that's not what it's about. I still believe that it's the, it's the subjectivity of the ocean combined with all of us having a gut feeling that's somehow the same gut feeling. I really truly think if you're so a real- So we need to objectly, objectively define the gut the feeling. The gut feeling. Is what it is. It's, exactly, it's okay. exactly that. And the gut feeling has to have enough room to blow out the walls when those walls are constricting the gut feeling. Because that's, I feel that's the problem that people have with uh, surf judging is that they feel something, especially surfers, you know, like, commenters and beach critter, we're not just talking about guys who, you know, casually watch surfing, like people who have watched right. surfing for 20, 30 years, you have a gut feeling. And when the score doesn't, uh, reflect your gut feeling, then there's real rage that gets built out of there. And that happens. I feel two or three times a contest when there's a score so out of whack with the gut feeling uh-huh. that people get rage filled and then want to throw the baby and the bathwater right. out. Yeah. I mean, it might, I th- in some ways it may be um, inevitable and it may just be, it's like the sort of vestiges of surfing before it was a competitive sport and it was just meant to be expression and dance. Right. It's that stuff creeping in because it is, I mean, you'll, you'll watch tennis and there will be an argue, there will be an argument with the linesman about whether that ball was in or out. But the, the point is not like the artful way in which the ball was smashed by the player. It's whether the ball was in or out. Whereas with surfing, it is in that realm of like, it's so open and, and subjective. So that late takeoff of Kelly in, in Brazil was like Shane could call it a 10 because Shane knows those late drop-ins and knows that elevator drop thing and then to quickly recover and pull right up. Um, but, you know, the so it's like the criterion is, inher- it's like inherently going to be limited and flawed. And, and it's, but I think what we were talking about earlier, like just the very, the very obsessive parsing of it all is like half the fun. Like I that mean, is completely, totally. yeah. completely, totally. which, and I mean, we're so lucky I feel as surfers to have pro surfing. I mean, as much as, you know, the, there's the grumpy local out there who like doesn't watch WSL, doesn't care to discuss it, all that. But, and that's totally fine. Like the people who just want to surf and don't want to be part <clears throat> of surf culture in any way, I guess, I don't even understand that to be honest though. Cause half the fun is, or more than half the fun is out of the water, I think. I mean, yeah. your surfing is great and that's fun to go surfing. Everybody loves, we all love surfing. I like to surf, you like to surf, we all like to surf. But it's also equally fun to talk about surfing. And if you're not engaged in the WSL product or whatever iteration of pro surfing is, you know, happens to be rolling out or what, what the brands are doing or all this kind of, all the silly, all the trappings are just as fun. I'm going to argue, I agree that they are, but I'm going to argue that the three of us don't fit the surfer profile at all. If the three of us just went into a grocery store somewhere in middle America, nobody would point at us and be like, those guys are surfers. Oh yeah. But when you were a kid, you probably tried to dress like a surfer and act like a surfer and wanted to be identified as a surfer. All I wanted. Of course. Uh, Pirate surf. And I, I think I still identify as a surfer, but 
I intentionally try not to play the role outwardly. You know what I mean? But, but I think that's, I mean, there's just some, like, as I've grown up in it, I think, like, there's been times where I really bucked against it. Like, you know, I don't want to be a surfer or be seen as a surfer. Now I just think being a surfer is the greatest thing in the world. And, but it's not in the silly, you know, oh yeah, I'm wearing a Billabonic shirt or right. something. It's like, you know, I'm surfing. I was just talking to Jamie before you came. Uh, so working, I'm, you know, in a rewrite or editing or whatever of third book, which was my purposeful, which was, I've tried again and again, I'm out of surfing. This is not a surf book where it's totally becoming a surf book. Really? Yeah. yeah. And at this point I'm fully embracing it. I've just like, that's what, that's who I am. That's what I am. And you know, of course it's about the middle East, but it's still surfing is a component of everything I do because I always like in the book, book I write about bringing surfboards to places that don't have surf that I don't know what I was thinking, but I would bring like to Lebanon in the summer where it's honestly flat as a pancake. Uh, and during the 2006 Lebanon Israel war, we brought surfboards. No way. Yeah. That's because so just in the off chance that the, there might be some, there's no off chance. It's the Mediterranean in the summer. There's, and there's so much effort to bring a surfboard completely. It's yeah. like we had to bring Mylar coffins that we had to stick on the roof of the cars that the, that the cab driver going into Lebanon, you know, I mean, every road was bombed out. It was all a total mess when we got in there, uh, was freaked out because he thought, what is this? Like, it's looking like we're bringing missiles into, so we had to stuff the surfboard. I mean, it was such a hassle to stuff the surfboard coffin into the car, to make it not look like missiles for a place that doesn't have surf anyway in the summer. But still, I had surfboards because I'm a damn surfer. And that's, that's what hilarious. you do is you bring surfboards when you travel. Like I didn't even know a way not to oh, throw a couple boards in. Yeah. No, I've gotten more and more proud of it. There was a time when I was really resisting and I was, it was almost like I just didn't want that in my life. The identity of a surfer? Yeah, and I moved to New York kind of specifically to get away from it. But then it followed me based on the fact that it was just surfing was growing and it was big in New York. So yeah. I had opportunities that I sort of couldn't pass up. But um, I have, I remember um, in my early mid twenties, I lived with a bunch of dudes and we were all heavy potheads. You know, we couldn't like get past noon without rolling one of those insidious um, marijuana tobacco combination joints. This was long oh, yeah. before. See, I could, now I can talk about this openly at the time. <laughs> this was not. And, and I remember like one morning, you know, morning number like 512 in a row, the joints rolled and it's passed over to me. And I was like, I, I think I might try to just not do this today. And he's like, just smoke now because you're going to have to quit one day. And of course I did quit. And, um, and then now being 52 years old, I look at contemporaries who either smoke or occasionally do mushrooms at a party or whatever. And it's almost like that thing that was a habit that was too easy in our twenties is now it, at, in midlife with responsibilities. The goal is to sort of be fluid and flexible and flowing enough to just let that come into your life and be able to dance with it. And I almost feel that way with surfing where it's sort of like, there was a time where Interesting. All, my whole identity was a surfer. I was nothing but a surfer and I purposely got away from it. And now I don't feel like, I feel like I've moved around and experienced enough other life, you know, places, geographically, people, etc. move through different worlds to where there's no shame in being a surfer because I know I'm other things. And therefore I'm actually proud of it because it is like, I was talking to one of the philosophers last night about this, just to have that kind of flowing through your body um, is such a value as I, I find as I get older and I'm looking ahead, provided I get another 20 years, like to, to be able to kind of have that, like you can just see it in the way people walk. I spend a lot of time um, at Malibu and 
what you said, Jess, I mean, honestly, like I almost have more fun in the Malibu parking lot with the banter than I do out in the waves. Totally. And it's, um, and it's just a bunch of folks who are great characters and, and so kind of loose and funny and in the moment and unpretentious, which is the greatest thing. Cause right. like in a city like Los Angeles where people are ambitious and they kind of, their identities are built on things they own or stuff they do, whatever these surfers that are just like hanging out and they don't want any of that stuff other than the fact that they're just surfers. Um, I'm always blown away that that exists and it's, it makes me proud to be a surfer. I totally feel that. And part of the great part I think is like, you can be the richest guy on earth, but if you're a kook, then everybody's going to laugh at you. Right. Totally. Like where there's something, In the water, there's something about the meritocracy yeah. of surfing where it's still about performance, but it's not just about performance. Like, because the guy who sucks but has a good surf story in the parking lot yeah. is an equal part of, like, totally. he has as much cred. Like, you don't just have to rip. Like, you just have to be, I feel with surfing, you have to engage it in a way and really bring your best to it. And then surfing, as a as silly as it sounds, like, the surf world will accept whatever you your best is. You have to have put is. in some hard yards. To, totally. You have to have showed up at early morning in December when it's freezing cold and all that sort of stuff. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is we've all like being a surfer is the most tacky or not tacky, but it's, it's like a difficult, impossible life, right? I mean, how uh, many, like it's a difficult, difficult life. How much, as we say, sitting in Cardiff with the beaches right down the street of and course. it's never of course. Less than 70 degrees. Of course. But just think of the, all the times in your life. Surf travel yeah, is yeah, yeah. the biggest headache ever. I mean, there's no more bigger headache than surf travel. You really recognize that though, like traveling on the Northeast. Yeah. Or places in the world all where it's like guys. there's only waves a couple months well, out of the year and it's frigid when there's waves. I mean, and, the people who are listening in, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Is Tulsa in Oklahoma? It is. Sure. Yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, it is. Or whatever. Yeah. All the inland people, right? Who yeah. surf and are surfers and they're no longer near the beach, yeah. uh, but they still are surfers. I mean, that's who they are, right? And they'll hustle whatever they can to get wherever they can, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, which is, yeah, like, I mean, that's, to me, that's so much more. They'll eventually have a wave pool in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they can then, it'll be like Rick Kane, they can be I, world champ. But I love all those guys who are gonna go to their damn wave pool and think, this ain't surfing. Yeah. like. As you gear up for autumn, you're gonna need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you wanna to talk to faster and for free. And I'll tell you what, I've always had anxiety about finding the right candidate, but that anxiety has been replaced with confidence because not only is LinkedIn the world's largest professional network, it's also trusted and reliable because all of my colleagues, friends, and network exists there so I can vet potential candidates quickly on the platform that I already know how to use. So what do you do? You create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and well beyond it to the world's largest professional network of 810 million people. Then you add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so that your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so that you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's exactly why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So believe it or not, every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to use the world's largest, most trusted, reliable, and familiar platform to find your next candidate. LinkedIn.com slash surf. Terms and conditions apply. So are either of you going to watch Stab High tomorrow? I'm not. Are you? I don't think I will, but I don't watch much, period, to be honest. It's oh, not, really? nothing personal against Stab High. I just don't. I, I, sometimes it's too all-consuming. The anxiety around it is too much. Do you watch the WSL events? If I, if I stumble into it, I will. Or okay. if there's a specific heat that I really want to watch. But I can't. It's, it's, my own, it's my own problem. It's not the stuff is great. Right. But it's like, um, you know, I have Australia, Australian and English friends who talk about the cricket, right? And watching the cricket is like, it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's not like watching baseball, basketball, football. You got like, you block off a couple hours and the thing's over. That day-to-day, is it on, is it not on? I'm going to watch the morning show. It's I, a commitment. Yeah, I don't have the time. I, and, and, it's, and, I, and I love it. It's almost like, you know, I'm almost like pushing away a pleasure in my life. But there's, I just, having spent so much time in it, I, I just feel like there's, I've like only got so many units of attention and I want to put them elsewhere. This is, this is going to be an ugly, bald-faced plug, but it does, it's not meant to be. We do now on Beach Crit the live commenting uh, or you get in and you watch and it's like the most analog thing ever. Like we just open the open thread, live oh, comments, so right? And so in the comment in. section. So it's not, it's even difficult to track, uh-huh. you but know, it, it's, it's so analog, but it is so like Warshaw will text me. Like I was sleeping on the dang, the Rio pro really screwed me time-wise somehow. I don't know how, but I would like barely get it up in time. Uh, but I would have Warshaw text me before, get it up, like hurry up and put the live thread up because it's just watching pro surfing with your buddies where then it somehow feels more valuable than sitting or feels to me way more valuable than sitting in. It feels selfish and boring watching it by myself. But when I'm sitting and commenting with Warshaw and whatever, just like laughing back and forth with all the beach grip people, then it's or, all of a sudden, Oh, this is a, this was a valuable way to spend three hours. Right. Prior, prior to you guys setting that up, we would be texting you, friends would be texting each other while the event was going on anyways. Completely. Now you're just making it public, you know? It's, and, it, and it does, it feels like, okay, I'm, I'm enriching the relationships in my life that I actually prize more than just, uh, yeah, like I'm sitting here watching, because it feels like a chore to me watching surf contests. Uh-huh. No, but I, that, that, that's such a great idea. And I think this goes back to what we were saying before we got into watching the events, and that is, um, Having grown up in Malibu, I mean, there was like there was this sort of high premium on, premium on being witty. I mean, I almost you know, I it's probably like it's I shouldn't give it to Mickey Dora. It's probably a lineage that goes back more than that and more people. But it's almost like Dora has become the sort of our god of that thing of but just being really having interesting perspectives on things. And that is there in Malibu, and that is like if that part of my brain is being engaged, I'm almost happier than like the physical one of racing across a wave at first point. And so to watch it and to be able to comment and to have the sort of peanut gallery available, that seems super fun. Like it's, I love this idea. It's genuinely, genuinely fun. Like it is the funnest I've had watching pro surfing in my entire life, other than being at a surf contest, right? And sitting and just peanut gallerying, gallerying in real time with whoever's standing around. Yeah. Well. Last year for Stab High, Chaz and I got drunk at my house. Um, <laughs> we did a three-hour podcast, which we were like kind of unaware was three hours at the time because we were drinking. 
and it was midday. But um, it was fun watching pro serving together. It was. Or, and so why aren't you going to watch it this year? Uh, because I don't have that. I don't have you. If it was you and me, if okay. I had a reason to, I'm not going to watch it myself. I'm not interested enough in progressive airs gotcha. to watch it. And then also for some reason this year, the no claim thing really bugged me to the point of saying, like, screw you. I'm not watching. Like the yeah. the righteous indignation. The no righteous. Watch. The righteous. Yeah, but the, like the rigid, no claim thing. I'm just come on. Like, what's surfing? What's fun with surfing? Like, I mean, claims are fun, right? I yeah. love when people claim. If it's sincere, I'm okay with it. I'm I'm um, okay at this point with the insincere. Like claims are as much a part of the wave to me. Like really? I want to see, sure, I want to see Toledo rip out his Wolverine, and then I want him to change it up. Right next time. How come nobody refer or talked about the fact that Jordy did that exact same claim in 2013 when he won the event? Nobody referenced it. I feel like Toledo was slapping Jordy in the face going like, I'm going to now take your claim. That's I'm why, appropriating your claim. That's why claims are so dang fun because yeah. claims are their own language. Yeah. And why take the language away? No, I think claims are so interesting. There's the, there's the claim that happens on shortboards, which is like an overt claim and it's very jockish athletic. There's another claim that I've really watched a lot of, and it's more in the kind of alt universe and it's the soul arch, um, you know, delicate fingertips and it's so self-conscious and it's, I see it and it's actually like it's a passive aggressive claim and I keep looking at it and I think it's almost disrespecting the beautiful wave. It's almost like when you see those pictures of like some wealthy person that went to Africa and, and like shot a zebra and they're posing in front of it. Yeah. It's sort of like you, you're, you're like, and, and I see it sometimes with not great surfers where they've taken up surfing just so they can hold the delicate hands and like arch their backs. And I, it really, it, it, Wrangles, but this Ra- you're talking the word, yeah. Wrangles, 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 because I just I, I there, I don't know. There's something about um, I like I appreciate earnestness in surfing. Like you're there and 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 you're just you're kind of like trying to do the best you can versus standing back in, in a posy way. But it goes. But with you're talking. Media you're talking about a mid wave maneuver or mid wave claim, basically. As opposed to Felipe yes. Toledo finishing yes. a ride and claiming. No, I'm talking about the thing where you, this is a pose. You, you catch a wave and you just stand up and everything is so, so Dude, you're so it's Malibu. Not, you're so natural. Malibu. That happens at Malibu way more Big than time. it happens at Cardiff. Probably. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, it took me a minute to understand what you were talking about, uh-huh. but I know exactly what you're talking about now. And it is the Malibu hipster yeah. who ha- hashtag van life, yeah. who's got a beard, who's just seen this happen on social media and they're going out and trying to recreate what they saw happen yes. on social media. But, it, but it's even epic to me. I mean, I totally get how it rankles. Like it, cause it, oh, of course it, 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 does. it is rankling, but yeah. again, it's fun to get at this point to get peaked by anything is fun. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, like Craig Anderson's knock knee thing, like seeing surfers who really will, like I'll see it here a lot of yeah. surfers who really pull down the line and then get their back knee just in like pointlessly in. Right. Yes. Uh, but it's the same as sticking your tongue out I, to me when we were playing basketball as kid or for me playing basketball as a kid to be like Michael Jordan. Right. And then having people be like, you're just, you know, mimicking Michael Jordan. Yeah. I think, no, no, like I just I saw I accidentally do that. That's just my well, thing too. So Craig Anderson, because of his anatomy, because of the way he surfs, the knock knee is natural to sure, him. Sure, that's how he or surfs. Or for Alex Nost, doing the hand jive or the soul arch is natural to him because of the boards that he's riding, how he surfs, and his anatomy. So if it comes naturally and it puts you into the trim of the wave, then it is earnest and it all makes sense. But what Jamie's talking about 
is of course somebody who just sees it and it doesn't fit with their anatomy or what they're riding or the section of the wave and they're enforcing the pose that's in it. that moment. No, that's it. And I think mimicry is how we all learn. Like there's no there's no shame in mimicry because that's I mean that's how it goes. Yeah. But there's I guess if the mimicry is a self-congratulatory moment mm, and the person totally. it has not earned it, <laughs> that's cringy. That's oh. what I'm talking about. And there's a, I, there's a lot of that. There's so <laughs> much of that yeah. in all forms. It's not just longboarding at Malibu. Yes. It's also in shortboarding at Huntington Beach too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's really, really I always talk about, about it's yeah. like the mid-wave mid claim oh. as posing. I really like- The to, pose is the new claim. Sure, the pose is the yeah. new claim. I really like yeah. to, like sticking that into claim land. But I, I totally, again, want to, I mean, claim land, it's part of the fun of surfing, which, I mean, not that I, that's why I'm not watching Stand By. I'm not watching it. I'm not buying into care. it. Are you, are you watching Stand By? I think I will. So I wouldn't go out of my way to do it. I have a dinner party tomorrow that I'm prepping for all day in the kitchen. So, so you're just going to pop it on? Rather, I'll watch that instead of binge watching a Netflix show. Wait, so just so I'm clear, stab high, there's no, you're not allowed to claim? No, you get, you get, you get, you Points get deducted. You get 20% deduction if you claim. No kidding. So the, so the surfer, you can't have a natural claim. You can't have like, I just stuck the best air of my life. Like throw your hands up. Nothing. It is if you do that. So the, like enforcing the rigidity of like, I don't even know what you're supposed to do. Like if you're so, just think how yeah. self-aware you'd be of not claiming. That which, is well, that would there's look like so much that falls into the claim category too. So somebody's going to land the craziest air ever. They're not going to raise their hand and claim it, but you're going to see them tilt their head back in relief. That's deemed a claim. Completely. You know? Incredible. Or should be. It should be. If it's not. Yeah. That's yeah. a claim. Any, any. Any extra movement right. that's not specifically I like related the to the surfing, but I, mean, I like the sentiment. I don't think you can really enforce it. But it, but they're real serious about yeah, it. Like that's really part of stab high now is no claim. What if you take two tennis balls, wrap them in a sock, and slide it down your wet? So it's just there, <laughs> and you're riding across, and there's just this giant bulge. Dude, I mean, that's not a claim. Everybody Dude. should do exactly that, or versions of totally flouting the no, <laughs> the no last, claim rule. So last year, Damien Farenfort in the uh, commentary booth referred to Ian Crane as having big dick energy. Like Ian Crane showed up on the scene. He's like, oh, he's got big dick energy. That's really and like people kind of giggled about it, but didn't really address it. They like tr hoped that it would just slip through, but it was hilarious. That's really you know? good. He got kicked out of the booth at the Quicksilver Pro years ago for talking, betting. for betting beers. Old Farrenfort and Snake should both be in the booth too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, back yeah. to the booth. No, but they're issue. trying to go white, like bread, like as bland as possible. I get the I mean, WSL's thing. I get it, but still, there's so there's so much good surf personality out there. Um, I have a non-controversial stance, but I want to get sure. your guys' uh, opinion on it in terms of progressive surfing, quote unquote, progressive surfing. I was watching the Margaret River event, and it's like big, woolly, open water, you know, wave, and Yago Dora gets a set right, and he's bottom turning, and it's this kind of wonky section, and he throws this huge full rotation 360 air and lands it, and it was spectacular. And I'm thinking, he risked the set wave, he risked injury because the section was so big, and the way the lip was pitching, you weren't sure what it was gonna do. And then I look at wave pool events, stab high, and there's gonna be a bunch of guys doing techie airs. And I think about this word progress, and I'm like, you know what? the wave pool thing is actually, it's almost regressive or it's its training ground and it's interesting novelty event. But I feel like progression will be defined 
it doesn't even need to be. It just will be defined by risk. Mm -hmm. Like doing, and the airs that we saw in Rio, mm -hmm. Julian Wilson just, I mean, he had these insane sections and he just did 15 feet out into the air and then abandon it before he landed. Like that's progression. Mm -hmm. I don't think the stab high event is actually progressive. Mm. I think it's techie. And again, it's novelty, mm -hmm. but it's not really moving the ball forward in a way that I think we will see at the end of the year when we review all the highlights, we're going to review the airs that were done in Rio. Now, one, maybe, there won't be one wave pool air this year, I don't think, in, I don't the, think so. in the highlight reel of the year. I don't think so. It's an interesting one. But, you know, here's the thing. I remember going to the Founders Cup event at the Wave Ranch, right. the Surf Ranch. And um, and I was, I was writing a piece, and I talked to the founders. I talked to Rabbit. I talked to, I think, Sean Thompson was there. And the one thing that, that everyone was saying is, you know, People are sort of afraid of this, but it, this is not going to replace. This is not the no. future. It's going to just complement, and there's going to be these two things. So like the, I think what you're saying, I agree with it. But the thing that I would wonder is if spending a lot of time in this wave that's going to be the same every time, right, and it, it comes you know, on basically at the press of a button, will that ultimately advance aerial surfing that we – like will someone yes. – rehearse something in the pool and then bring it to an event at Margaret river that you've never seen before or at the, uh, in Rio. But I've never seen anything in the pool yet. I mean, and the pools now they're no longer novelty, right? Like pools have been around yeah. enough now yeah. where if you're going to see something new, we would have seen it. Uh -huh. There's no new air happening in the pool. That's not happening in the ocean. You just can't. I don't think you could do it in the pool. There's not enough energy. In Precisely. Yeah. You can't get enough kick. The yeah. only way you can get enough kick to get high enough is exactly, which is, I mean, funny, I guess, uh, global warming and all this right like waves are getting bigger and better uh, -huh. uh and so the ramps are going to be getting bigger like those rio punts if if julian would have stuck one of those if he would have really went for it and figured out okay which i don't know how you train for that right maybe at a trampoline park or something like uh -huh. i don't know how you do yeah or like a you could train Woodward, the body mechanics in a precisely yeah. in a in something like that where you're really gonna try to stick a 15 foot air because like julian was punting so high but with no intention of landing it, right? Like there was he had intention. You thought he when he when he hit those, you thought he I was. Think, I think he hit it with intention, got mid flight, and was like, eh, "I'm out of here." Yeah, I mean it's crazy town. I mean the height he was yeah. getting, but like training at like a Woodward or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Like a, yeah. even a skate park where you're really getting your body varial thing yeah. correct. But that's not gonna happen to the wave tank because you can't get high enough. I mean, there's just even the freak peak at Waco yeah. is is not that interesting. In terms of how high you get. I mean, it's bizarre that Margaret River has become a high-performance wave, but really it was. It was like seeing that the day. sections that were approaching. Rio, even more so. John John's heat where he got, he did get injured. Yeah. He exhibited so much risk that he paid the price for it. And injured, not even on trying to land something, no, injured on the hit, pop. Yeah. Injured on But he had off. done an earlier uh, backflip on a right on a smaller wave that he landed on his board on and then didn't ride out of. And so you could see he was building up to something. Then he got the set wave with the bigger section, went for the rotation, injured himself. I mean, that's it, that's what's required of progression. To me, the fact that that uh, street league skateboarding is more or less a failure, like people didn't tune in enough and watch enough to make it really work. That's what the wave park 
thing is going to be for surfing and it just will never work. It'll never yeah. catch People can get more and more techie. I'm sure you could figure out how to do, you know, shove it and all kind of flippy things That's with your board. Thing. They will figure it out real quick. Yeah. And it's not that interesting. And nobody will care about yeah. it. Like it'll be real technical in terms of degree of rotation and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it just won't be that interesting. Yeah. I, I want to ask you guys something. What is the most interesting thing in, in the surf world to you right now? I'll think about it. The most interesting thing in the yeah, surf I mean, world happening right now. What's most fascinating? What is what is most engaging and interesting to you? Oh, that's a great question. What engages me hmm. uh, most is is the things happening outside the water. To be honest, mm -hmm. like is mm -hmm. as surf enters its what Just century? I mean, how long has surfing been a in the cultural eye? Like, let's say it, it's not a century. 50, I mean, 60 years. In the 60 years. Life. And yeah. so I feel like surfing has gone through this wave, right? Where it was, you know, whatever. It started, and then you had the Gidget stuff, mm -hmm. which everybody, mm -hmm. like, mass pop Hollywood thing, yep. which crashed. And then you had another kind of pop thing in the 80s, right? Which crashed. And then another thing in the 90s or 2000s, momentum -y kind of stuff, which more or less crashed. And then watching it build again to, okay, what is, you know... <laughs> everybody's learned all these lessons now of three or four major crashes uh, in terms of interest, you know, whatever, the economics, all of it, wave pools coming online, which to me, the wave pool thing is already a failed, I mean, it's already a failed experiment, not failed in the business sense, the progressive wave pool. The ones that are working are sticking wave gardens where yeah. people want to ride on It'll a soft top. It'll succeed as a business. Yeah. But I mean, it's not going to Wave garden, not, no, but not the Kelly Slater wave pool. Nobody wants to surf a damn technical, perfect wave. That's, I mean, to me, and enough time has passed where the surf ranch thing should have been licensed now, basically everywhere. Not one person is doing it. The one that started in Florida, Close shop and that was it. And everybody's building wave gardens because people yeah. want to surf. Beginners want to Be surf. Beginners. Yeah. And that's, that's it. There's not, there's not mm -hmm. a market for super high performance. You can tuck into a little barrel. Nobody cares. Nobody mm -hmm. wants that. I mean, there's a very limited number of people who can even afford to buy into that day. I mean, but you, 50 K, but you would theoretically think that the top level of anything is you where your value is. And it's absolutely not. It's yeah. like, which I guess is they should have recognized from skiing and all that, right? Like nobody wants to go on, you, I mean, you could build a ski resort with the most triple black diamond, crazy shoot, et cetera, et cetera. People don't want that. People want to ski down a yeah. fairly safe thing that they There's feel. a lot more McDonald's than there are Ruth Chris. Precisely, mm -hmm. precisely. Mm -hmm. Where, and it feels like that's interesting to me that, that yeah, I mean, the, the appetite is just a real middle mid-level beginner appetite mm -hmm. for surfing. Yeah. I've got the most boring answer in the world, sure. but um, reflective of probably just the work that I've invested in is like, I'm just interested in human interest and stories. Yeah. Like my surf experience doesn't change based on what's happening in the WSL or anywhere else in surf media. Um, so I'm just interested in what like, uh, how Kelly Slater makes friends at this level of wealth and popularity. Mm -hmm. Like I would love to hear him talk about that. Mm -hmm, I would, mm -hmm. you know, um, Kelly's, how people, Kelly's business partner just got rung up. You read that? No, I didn't. Oh yeah. Oops. Who? Uh, Kelly's business partner, Jeff Bizak is his name. Okay. He's like Kelly's number one behind the scenes and all, all Kelly's. What do you mean by rung up? A USC admission scandal. 
done. Oh, jail no time. Way. Yeah. Well, that's not that wow. bad. That doesn't in, <laughs> that doesn't uh, fold Kelly into the mix in any way. But. I mean, uh, as far as Beach Grit is concerned, it does. Yeah, fair I enough. Could, I could stick Kelly but in like, the headline. And then for any of those people, like how they how surfing the role that surfing plays in their life, you know, because it's played a different role for my. Even just in this conversation, you talking about um, the parking lot fodder is just as fulfilling mm-hmm. as riding the wave. Surfing's role has changed in my life where it's not just riding waves anymore. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. all of these various things and um, finding that balance, all of that human interest stuff is far more interesting to me now yeah. than um, what's happening maybe outwardly in the surf world. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are you interested still? I mean, Jay, you are you are one of the interesting things in the surf world. Well, thanks, Jazz. I, um, I mean, but it's true. I am, but you know, it's interesting because I, I, it's... I don't know for better or for worse. I don't make any, I think about it. And if I were to look at the work I've done as a writer over the last 20 years, surfing is the most, that's the through line. Right. And so there's a part of me that I wonder if I should sort of be more aware of that and conscious of that and, and, and researching more effect, you know, essentially like just trying to ingest more, but it's almost arrogant on my part because I've done it for so long that I just sort of, whatever comes to me that sticks sticks and whatever doesn't it's so I'm just, I, I sort of um, almost passively move through it all. The thing that I think that, that um, I'm just surprised how much I enjoy it. And I didn't, I didn't the know act that. itself. Yeah. I mean, I just, I went out and wrote a few waves the other day and I have this new egg from channel islands that I got that I just love. And it's a different, cause I'm normally a shortboarder and I had this realization, you know, my, my, my home in Malibu, my guest house in Malibu burned not too long ago and all my boards burned except for I had a couple in my car. But so I got new boards and I got short boards and as I rode them, I realized that the boards are kind of moving quicker than my torso wants to move, boards ahead of me. And then I realized what I should be doing is getting boards that I'm ahead of. So I've got this seven foot egg, thanks to Channel Islands and Devin Howard, who kind of, we talked a lot about this. And it catches waves really, Fucking really easy. Devin Howard. <laughs> it dra- draws these eggs. really beautiful lines. And, um, and, and the joy I get from it is just ridiculous. And it's sort of like my days are mostly focused. I have a lot to write, which I'm really grateful for. But there's a sedentary, you know, as, as you well know, it's like it's just how to like sit in a, in a room alone all day. And so offsetting that or kind of countering that with going for a wave and the bounce I get from it. And also, like I was saying, like going to Malibu and just talking shit with people is so fun to me. And being in the, in in my head of, you know, trying to sort of understand things in that writerly way that we do where you're like, what does this all mean? And you're and it's and it's it's a it's a, can, can be kind of exhausting and the kind of levity of the surf scene and the riding of the waves, especially now it's summer and then stepping out and then running into friends who are, who don't, who are, they, they're not ambitious. They don't give a shit about much. They're just sort of like beach bums is so, such a great thing to me. Mm. So I've just been enjoying riding shitty little waves. Do you think that there's anything in surfing that could actually break through into main, mainstream culture in a way that's profoundly understandable? Uh, now, um, um, let me make sure I'm understanding exactly what you mean. Do you, competitive, like surfing competitive any part of surfing like i'll say okay what is the what is the thing what is the surf thing surf thing that Uh mainstream understands best or the thing that's broken through i mean is it point break is it big big waves maybe but i mean i think they can see it and think oh that's a big wave but i mean but like what pop culturally yeah that's an interesting puka shell necklace yeah i mean is that it 
But I mean, is there, is there anything in surf that could actually, that could actually really get anything that we could ever do? Right. That would be understandable outside of the, you know, whatever, however many million of people, one million people. What is it worldwide? One, 10? I don't know. Four? I have no idea. There's a lot of people at the beach in Rio. Did you see that? It yeah. was insane. They yeah. packed that dang beach. Yeah. People love it in Brazil. I'm going to give you a philosophical answer to your question because I got to go to the philosopher yeah. conference now. <laughs> but uh, I think what I think that question you asked is so interesting because it's sort of like, well, the mainstream obviously uh, includes a lot of non-surfers. So it's just this projection. But I think it kind of always has been, you know. Yeah. Um, and so what whether that person say in the midwest who sees surfing watches let's say they tune into one of the surf contests or they watch a movie that has surfing whatever if they're not in it that kind of only a surfer knows the feeling cliche um if they're not doing that it all is just it's like they're just sort of putting these ideas onto what they think it might be Mm. but i don't know i mean in some ways that's what it that's maybe how life is on many levels i mean i just think about my own uh, surfing experience and it is um, it's just so subjective and it's like I mean I have these moments where I'll be looking at waves and I won't even need to ride them and I'm just sort of imagining them and it's almost like they're uh, they're peaking my imagination kind of getting like like sparkling little things that are like part memories and then part like imagined things the same way watching um, my favorite surfers it's like I can't do that on the wave but I can imagine those lines and I can kind of get a vicarious hit from it all I don't know if that I'm I feel the same way. I'm almost embarrassed to even admit it though. Like I'm almost embarrassed to say, like, yeah, just looking at the waves is adequate for me today. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Because so much of my youth and upbringing was, no, you have to go put in the hard yards. Yeah. Like yep. but I agree with you. Yeah. And I think we all feel that way. Yeah, I have friends, surfer friends in their seventies and they and I think that that they're sometimes just like sitting and watching the waves is they enough. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, are you familiar with the concept of kook and current? No. All right. This has been... I introduced this concept two years ago with Chaz. It's been on the back burner for a while. It's been on the back burner because it's pretty infrequent. There's things don't come up that often. The concept, which I'm modifying to kooks and currents, is that there's, I noticed a while back, there's a lot of things in surfing that only kooks do and currents do. Huh. And nobody in the middle class does. Wow. Right? Give us so some would examples. you like some examples? Okay. A GoPro on the nose of your surfboard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Currents do it, getting barreled at Chopu. Yep. You know, Anthony Walsh or whomever, or the kook at the local beach. You never see somebody walking down the beach with a GoPro on their nose. Who's middle, like mid-range. like a middle ground ripper. Yeah, right. Right? Yep. yep. Um, rash guards over a wetsuit. Surf schools and CT surfers. Uh-huh. That's it. Yep. No intermediate people yep. doing that. Um, gath helmet. Tom Current, Tom Carroll at Pipeline. Yep. Or a beginner. Yep. Right, so now yep. you get the theme. Yep. So these things come up every once in a while. I, I have a few new ones that I've noticed I'm in excited. recent weeks. How do you feel about? And this is for you guys to vet out sure. whether or not it is actually a Kooks and Curran. Uh, having a personal photographer. Oh, it's yeah, exactly. That's a perfect one. Is it? Yeah, because no, no mid range surfer. Like, I mean, we've talked about a lot. I don't have any pictures of me or I have like four pictures of me surfing. Me too. So this was inspired by Elo's post today, holding the fish on the beach. Was waving. it a fish? I'm not sure what that was. What I was liked it? your article. Yeah. What was it though? <laughs> it was know. a mini, it was a mini paddle of is what it was. Yeah. So I'm looking at Elo going, he's smiling, waving to the photographer. Who's this photographer? Oh, that's right. He has a personal photographer, right? And John, John has one. Yep. Do you? No. Do you have a personal photographer? Definitely not. I saw a lesser skilled surfer recently with the personal photographer and I, I, it, it rankled. Is that how you say it? Yes. yes. <laughs> it rankled. <laughs> so, okay. So that fits. Yeah. Cooks and currents. It's getting added to the archives. Yes. Perfect. We need, we need to put this arc, the archive as it exists to date up. Okay. Yeah. I'll send it to you. Okay, good. Uh, Cause there's others on the list that I didn't mention yet. Um, the other one that's up for submission right now, no traction pad on a thruster. Mason Ho does it, and you see beginners at the beach doing it. But do any intermediate surfers do it is the question. I will, here's the thing, as I think there's a caveat here for mm. surfy industry folk, where if you have enough boards coming through your life, which is rude to admit, but if you have, if you're not like having to buy boards, then oftentimes I'll have a board that comes in for whatever, for like I'm supposed to send it off to Derek and James for something at Beach Grit, whatever, uh, and I'll just surf it instead. Uh, and I don't have a pad in the garage and so I'll just wax it up and go surf, right? Because I don't care and okay. don't need to like scrape the wax off and put my, but I feel anybody who buy, is buying boards, for sure you buy a traction pad for the back, right? Do you? I do, but I'm of a certain generation where traction pads were popular. I'm an Astro Deck. And I'm grateful because not only did you get the deck on the pad, but you got the Fletcher family, which was wonderful. Right. Yep. I'm grateful for that. But I was at Malibu on the weekend and I ran into Sam George and he told me this, great story about 
Aki being in Australia and uh, and there was some new traction pad and the, the person was down there and it was like, you know, let me try this. Let me, I want you to try this. So the person like Aki went, okay, go for it. And they scraped off the, um, the wax on the tail, put the pad on and Aki went out and got a few waves and, I, and he came in and I can't remember the exact words that Sam used, but it was sort of like Aki came in and he was peeling it off and, and Sam walks up and he's like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I just want my board back. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there really is like that distance yeah. between the feel of it. But I like them just because I grew up with them. But you qualify as a current. Yeah. So anything I, that you say, it's like, well, yeah, because you're a current. But, but I'm definitely not doing the technical stuff where like my toes are grabbing onto the right, edge right, right. of the kicktail thing. I mean, for me, it's almost like it's it's just like familiarity. Like, I, and especially riding this board that I my new board, I, which has no traction pad, by the way. I mean, your egg is traction pad. Fucking Devin Howard pushing out. Dude, free. so. What a, the egg no, cosmically keeps getting presented into Chaz's lap. Really? Chaz is like a high performance shortboard guy, but probably not at the level of surfer where that's what he should be riding. I shouldn't be. Like he should be riding a mid length or something with more the volume. Fucking Devin Howard, asshole that he is, <laughs> keeps trying to push me into an egg. Uh, he does never try to push me into an egg, egg has he? I just. I mean, we had a him. long, long conversation about the. Did Devin Howard loves the egg? egg. I like. But you know what? But I should serve an egg. He should I? be on an egg. I'm a well, fucking kook who well, should be on an egg. Let me, but uh, the fact that you're on an egg makes me happy that I don't act, have to be a kook. But here's what got me on it is I was, um, I got these, you know, high performance shortboards and I realized like I'm just moving slower. And this was in the winter and I was spending, I wasn't surfing a lot. And I realized like I'm surfing once every three weeks. And when I go out the board, I barely paddles. So I'm just getting humbled all around. I'm missing waves. And I'm doing turns where I just feel slow and the board's kind of like wants to do an air reverse. Can, can you turn your egg? So I can turn my egg. So what? here's what turn, Here's what got me excited. I was looking at, on Instagram and I saw Bo Young, Nat Young's son, who I used to surf with a lot in Australia. And he was in somewhere in England shaping boards and he had shaped a board. It was not even a seven foot board. And he dropped in on this little wave, did this beautiful bottom turn, did this like big high line thing, jumped to the nose, came out, whipped this huge cutback. But this wasn't like longboarding. I don't know how to longboard. I don't understand the physics of jumping on the nose and not purling. Riding shortboards, it's sort of like you don't even wax up there. And I don't, I'm not interested in that, quite honestly. It's just not my thing. But this sort of mid-length thing of you're still going up and down, but the board's just a little... When, when, when I was competing, there was this thing we used to do and it's a com comparable to like the the baseball player before they step up to to play to to swing they swing two bats. I don't know if they still yeah. do that. Yeah, put the do donut that. weight on it. Yes. Yeah. We used to ride like our six ten board, our what they call step ups now. Before you'd ride it in like three foot waves in Japan or waist high waves, you'd ride that and then you would go and grab your like six four then you could or just six rip two, it. and you would just feel like it's like a skateboard under yeah. you. So to me. There was, there was actually a really good feeling of that slightly longer, slowed down kind of thing where you're holding your turns a little bit longer. So that's what I get from the egg bar board, the mid-length. What is, what is the Channel Islands egg called? I don't think it even has a name. It's just the egg? Not yet. I no, think it's still I was like really a prototype. Because there was the oh, shaping. really? I think so. I don't know that it's released in okay, the Okay, I'm going to I don't think it is. You know, the board I got, there was the shaping um, gathering here in Del Mar recently. The um, boardroom. Yeah, the boardroom. And Britt Merritt had... Merrick had shaped one of these and it was there as a, as a kind of display board yeah, and then it right. came back and I happened to get it. So it was like, it had that. been pawed by many people, was but it, it hadn't orange? been ridden. Yeah, it's orange. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, but I really like it. But no, the thing about it is it still goes up and down. And it, in some ways it just feels, look, if I was like going to go spend, you know, a month surfing J-Bay every day, I would probably like, 
very quickly move on to another board. But the smallish soft waves that I ride and the fact that I'll go two weeks without surfing, this thing is really, it's forgiving and kind and it's like good for my ego. I'm gonna Perfect, get Chaz, I'm gonna, I'm he's in. Egg. I'm in. This has been a long conversation. This is a <laughs> no, two-year conversation. I'm, I'm loving this conversation. Coming to, no, but no, no, no. I mean, the no. conversation about the egg no, for I, Chaz sure. has been a two-year conversation that I think you just converted him and it came uh, up organically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I said, cosm- cosmically, this keeps getting presented in his lap. And it's not just get on a different board. Yeah. It's specifically it's get, on an get on an egg. Right. So perfect. This one. is perfect. I, think you'd like it. I mean, here's the thing. We're down the hill from this wave that is so... F- made for that kind of thing exactly that's yeah. that's what, which is where devin's from damn devin okay. howard moving on worst I'm man on forcing earth. it forward just so we can get you out of here on time uh we have a segment close out every show called barrel or nah i present the the uh idea and you have to either say it's barrel or i'm not into it barrels being good gotcha thumbs up or thumbs sure, down. sure sure all right barrel or not number one you're gonna have to defend yourself on this one jamie abstract instagram posts And let me read a caption to you. Quote, in the gap between my social media life and my real self lurk pan-like creatures who whistle, play flutes, bang drums, and whose hindquarters look ravaged as if struck by by a fast-moving vehicle. There are watering holes, part champagne, part human excrement. I skinny dip in them with my 30-foot schlong and my 70,000 years of pain and insecurity. Jeez. Abstract Instagram photos. With a photo of some architecture. Wow. I, that's just, first of all, it's terrible writing. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I have no idea what it means. Um. <laughs> I, read, I read one of Jamie's today. I'm so down with it. Jamie's, though, is the master. Like, so barrel. I'm a full barrel on it. Okay. Like I see what you do on Instagram as I mean, again, it's it sounds like it's blowing smoke because we're here live, et cetera, et cetera. But I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm flattered and thank you. But let me say this. And I think we talked about this once before, you know, what I realized is, and I, this goes back to what I said earlier. I've tried way too hard in my life more often than not. And so at some point with social media, I thought this is just an opportunity to just kind of like embarrass myself daily. And the more I embarrass myself, it's almost like if you were, if you were a very ambitious stand-up comedian and you realize like, what I need to do is get over all self-consciousness because once I lose self-consciousness, I'll be able to, my mind will flow free, free because when I stand up in front of a bunch of people, I'm self-conscious. So I'm gonna purposely tell bad jokes. They will throw their tomatoes and boo me and eventually I'll get thicker skin and then eventually it'll be like, fuck you, I'm just doing what I want up here. That's kind of what I've tried to do with social media. It's sort of like, I'm a very, very serious writer, but I'm gonna purposely just experiment and throw stuff out that that is like, just stream of consciousness. And it's not even really like, I'm kind of, I'm not, it's not this like very curated conscious thing of like, I'm gonna try to get followers from this. It's more like, I'm probably gonna put a lot of people off, but I just actually wanna do this as a, as a kind of like experiment. Which is completely contrarian to Instagram, the way most people use Instagram. Yes. Which is what I love, but yeah. Jamie's, your Instagram makes me always feel the love of writing. Thanks. Which that's what I mean. I love riding. I love surfing, and I feel you love both. But I get I get both from your Instagram. Is just that real, the love of sitting down and writing something. Yeah, it's right. fun. Yeah, I enjoy is, it. Yeah. All right, so we're going barrel with Full abstract Instagram post. Stand up barrel. Full <laughs> on barrel. Yeah. Stand up barrel. Roof dragging barrel. All right. 
<laughs> Barrel or not, number two, the short John wetsuit. This is shorts. Yes. And a tank okay. top. I'm, 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 I'll go first. Zero barrel because it's totally unfunctional. Your dang core, I theoretically should I guess. I mean, it, it applies for like a two degree variance in water temperature. What? So if it's like seventy three to seventy five, then then, it's, the then it makes top. sense. What I would like to see, uh, to be honest, is a yoga pant for men wetsuit because your damn legs are dangling in the water 90% of the time, right? And they if, make them for girls. Precisely. So yeah. if you had a yoga pant for men, it would be the worst, kookiest thing ever, but it would actually be functional. You're sitting in the water in that 73 to 75 range where it's a little too cold to be trunking, but a little too but warm to be in a wetsuit. the temp is 80 or 90. Yeah. So just put your wetsuit pants on. Yeah. I'm not into short johns. You know, what I find is any wetsuit that's cut above the knee wants to climb up and being of the male species, it's never a comfortable thing. Yeah. And so I'm be, I've been, I've always preferred like a short sleeve full or even a long jump, but something that goes down here to the, to the, yeah. um, to the ankles, because by virtue of going below the knees, it's, there's a little bit of something holding it down there. Um, so that's like short sleeve fulls, long sleeve fulls or short johns. I don't like if I, before I'd wear a short john, I would wear uh, a long sleeve jacket. But then, you know, right. some people, maybe they just want their arms free for paddling. I try not to be too judgmental, but I definitely <laughs> can see. But usually the, that is part of a larger package that involves very, like, a, it's like this specific aesthetic within the surf world that seems um, often very carefully done. Like carefully done well, in a way. You have to have a world exactly title like, under your belt, first of all. Uh -huh. So Aki wears them. Uh -huh. Kelly wears them. Yes. We've seen Sonny wear them. Yes. Or you could be a high school wrestler. Yes. That's the other option. Yeah, no, for sure. But I often see it in this kind of like, it's part of this sort of retro package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same as your hand job. Yeah, exactly. Dude. No, I saw a guy the other day and he was wearing uh, exactly the wetsuit you described and he was doing these incredibly like bad poses and he wasn't a very good surfer. And I just thought, ah, uh, there we yep. go. Not my thing. Yeah. Yep. All right. Perfect. So we're going yep. naw, naw for the short john. Zero. Fair enough. Uh, the final barrel or naw, legalizing magic mushrooms, psilocybin. Wow, that's a big one. I'm a libertarian, so yes, I'm done for legalizing cocaine too, though. So. So we're going barrel. I'm barrel on legalize all of it. Yeah, probably legal. I don't. I. I is, hmm. It depends. I've seen casualties. Sure. Talk your way through it. No, I just don't know if, I don't know if it wants to be encouraged. Um, I mean, look, and I've had some great experiences. I'm, gr I'm grateful for my experimentation, but I've, I've landed on the right side of it, but I've definitely seen people that uh, didn't know what they were doing. But, you know, here's the thing. It used to be, now that marijuana is legalized, you have a little, you go into these dispensaries and you like have a conversation. It's like, yeah, this one's really good for sex and this one's really good for sleeping and this one's, a, and I, I think a lot of that might be sort of marketing or what have you, but at least there's like some sense of what it is. If that's happening with the mushrooms and it's sort of like, oh, you just take these two little stems here, it's going to be a light high. That may be better than buying it on the street and then blowing your mind with something that you didn't know. So I, in that regard, I think it's good, but I don't know. I don't well, know. The question, the barrel or not question is about the legalization of it, not yeah. just the use of yes, it. So yeah, I yeah. think you're yeah, right. Sure. Like by legalizing it, it becomes regulated. Yeah. 
and predictable. Yes. And it means that it's going to be studied in laboratories and you're going to know exactly the efficacy of no, one that, versus the other. Yes, I think that's, So there's going to be less of the casualties. Yeah. Is this yep. is psilocybin I didn't even wasn't even aware. Is it up for legalization? In Colorado they just legalized it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and Colorado. Yeah. And Oakland as well or is that um, I don't I, know. Huh. I don't know about No, that. I think ultimately it's a good thing. I mean, I think it's glad that these it, these things were so um they were for a long time, it was thought that these just blow your mind and you're going to go crazy. And now they're being looked at as very useful things that, you know, maybe you get you clearly. So that. that's, that's the first part of the conversation is yep. that they've been proven in the laboratory to have beneficial effects for treatment of certain things, PTSD yeah. or whatever. And so if you can utilize it for good, then the idea is of course, why wouldn't you Yeah. forget about the just uh, adhering to past laws and, social mores or whatever mm -hmm. like let's actually understand the benefit of it it's a natural substance let's understand the benefit of it and how it works rather than synthesizing a chemical yes by big pharma or get the government out trying of my to get pocket. political but that's all i'm saying yeah get the government out yeah yeah all right so barrel or non psilocybin legalization going barrel 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 from barrel for all legalization i'm i'm barrel for any law being struck down Okay. I'm, I'm, All right. I'm, I'm a pig dog barrel with a rail grab and a hand in the wave. Okay. At right. Chopu. Epic. Wow. Okay. We're in. All right, gents. Uh, this has been a pure pleasure. I can't wait. Jamie, I'm going to come record your talk and then Thank publish you. it on the podcast feed eventually. Flattered. So, can't wait listeners. To tonight, Jamie. Thanks a lot. I can't wait to hear some. Hang with you guys. Philosibian. Phil <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time, Chaz. Get barrel. <laughs>